1: live. Uh, All right. Yep. Everyone can see we're live. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the first inaugural MindPod Network uh, launch, Hangout. We're going to have a bunch of these coming up, um, but this is the first one, so I want to say welcome to everyone. Um, I'm Noah Lampert. I'm joined here by Rachel Fisher. uh, Hello. David Silver and Duncan Trussell.
2: And Hello.
1: we are going to be taking your questions uh, to anyone on the panel via Google Plus. So there's a Q&A app. We'll feature questions here. You can also ask questions at our Twitter, MindPod Network, um, which Rachel will be looking at. So if you want to ask questions there, we'll relay them here. Um, and without further ado, let's have Raghu Marcus take it from here.
0: Hello, everybody. Me and David is mind-rolling, and Duncan Trussell is family hour. Duncan. So, uh, you know, this is a, a big deal here. You know, we're launching this network officially today. So, uh, and it's fitting that Duncan is a guest of uh, of us mind-rollers because I want to talk about how did this whole thing start, this idea of a network. I think a bunch of people were hanging out, some of these people, right? Right. Uh, Noah and Rachel and Duncan. Did it not come from you guys hanging out on the beach doing sh- some shit?
1: <laughs> that is where it came about. <laughs> All good ideas were born on Maui.
0: It <laughs> was born on Maui. Okay, so MindPod Network is born on Maui. And um, and really, uh, a lot of the credit, uh, you know, we've said this before in our mind roll. I don't want to get uh, redundant, but Duncan did turn us on. And told me in a note, you should be doing a podcast with Ramdas. Yeah. And so we, uh, we, from there, which is a couple of days, a couple of years rather, uh, we have now really look at this manifestation of your mind, Duncan.
2: Yeah, but where is my dough? <laughs> oh, well. I'm just kidding. It's it's so so cool. I'm so happy that this is that, that, that this ha- I can't believe this happened. I can't believe technology like this exists. And I remember uh, it's so funny that you say I turned you guys onto this because the love Server member foundation and Ram Dass and hanging out with you guys has has turned me on to so much stuff. So it's really exciting to think that I get to have any part of. Uh, helping you guys uh, have this incredible network. That's pretty badass and really is thrilling to me.
0: Yeah, you know. And aside from all the hype and everything, uh, first of all, uh, just just tell you, Mindpod Network is Ramdas' Here and Now podcast, mind rolling with me and Dave and uh, Jack Cornfield uh, and Das and Sharon Salzberg, and it's uh, the re- for for me and Dave, we've known this has been what Ramdas calls a soul pad, right? So decades and decades we've known these people and shared whatever our experiences were you know coming up through being in india and then coming back to the west and dealing with it all so it's it's pretty special to to have this conglomerate of people in one place on mindpodnetwork.com so and and the other thing is there's fantastic um other stuff. Now, of course, you know, people like to just, uh, you know, subscribe to any one uh, podcast, but here you can go, and aside from the podcast, there's rich, rich material that we're pulling from all of these teachers, uh, from blogs and articles to incredible, uh, you know, short videos and audio pieces. Uh, And in fact, of course, we're doing something that Duncan completely disapproved of uh, in our initial, before we got on. Why He said, you disapproved of giving away free stuff. And we are well, going no, to do it.
2: I, I just, it's not that I disapprove of giving away free stuff. It's just like you were saying to tweet the thing by bribing people with free stuff, and it made me feel like I was selling mattresses or something. <laughs> no, and we don't want to going do it. Going out of business, MindPod Network. is existing <laughs> for <long laughs> we you just... didn't act now and get seven MP3s and a free <laughs> oriental rug. Shipping... What?
0: No, you never heard of Crazy Eddie in New York? Since, were...
2: I know. That's exactly <laughs> a Crazy Eddie. I don't want to tweet that, but oh. I think it's very sweet to give away. I think it's it's not that I'm against free stuff. It's that I think that the, the, such a wonderful podcast network doesn't need to bribe people to tune it to tune in, hopefully.
1: Right. I mean I think what we're going to do after this is anyone who's already on the mailing list, we're going to send like – a bunch of free stuff from each of these podcasters. Um, so if you want... Oh, wait,
0: wait, uh, wait. that uh, It's way more poetic than that, No, A bunch of free stuff? No. No, I... Was... Rachel and I spent hours and hours together <laughs> coming up with the essence of teachings that are going to help people, you know, just day to day in 30 minutes. Plus you know, a prayer a download. cloth.
2: Back now, you'll get three mind-rolling prayer cloths. Praise <laughs> right. Oily, all oily,
0: it. It. Uh, we're doing so that. Your... We're... We are. We're going to get prayer cloths and everything. We're going to do that, just like that. <laughs> Put it in the box. <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, really, th- this is about, you know, paying it forward. It really is. I mean, it's what I got and Dave got way back in the day. Uh, you know, through people like Ramdas, of course, was a major figure for us in terms of connecting us with finding a way to be happy in its most essential definition, balanced and happy. So uh, I am uh, really happy that all these decades later, here we are able to share, continuing the sharing. and that's what I think would be, you know, something that it, in my mind, would be the best effect of this, and and uh, Noah's talked about it is creating a kind of community that can, you know, that's more like a soul pod, as Ramdas calls it, and can share in that way, uh, you know, just truths and experiences that we can help each other along. So uh, we, I'm really I mean, happy about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, truly, what this is at its core is it's meant to be a community of people that is we're going to be delving on you know delving into deep stuff but we want to make it really accessible for people too because we recognize between the kind of sugary new age stuff that is a little superficial and kind of turns a lot of people off and then the hardcore like no i don't believe in anything spiritual we want to find some area where people can congregate and kind of approach this stuff in a more meaningful way for them so you know we're mm-hmm. we're constantly we're going to be listening to people's suggestions and just comments on all of this. And also, I wanted to point out, because I know a lot of the reason people are here, is we have this Q&A going on. And we've already gotten in a ton of questions uh, from the Google Plus app. I don't know if we're doing it on Twitter. So uh, if anyone has anything else to say
0: about yeah. this. I just uh, want to say I want to say one thing uh, that gives an example of, of really, the richness of, of what's been assembled here. And that is, David, uh, as part of this uh, this download that we've put together, which is, you know, from all of the different five podcasters. David had a beautiful blog, uh, and he actually read it. So we have an audio version of it that's part of this. And, and David, just bring it up a little bit, because I think it's a nice little
3: discussion. We did blogs on the website, but as a lot of people didn't actually see them, decided to make them into little... Wee little audio booklets, as it were. (laughs) You can listen to them. Um, The one, I actually did one today, and I talked about Rome and the Inquisition. Mm -hmm. Hatred and violence and darkness and the Kali Yuga. That was my subject. And um, tried to make some kind of case for not um, reciprocating massive, eternal hatred institutionalized throughout the ages with more, you know, hatred. I use the phrase, let's not radiate hate, which is sort of like the kind of thing Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton would have said sometimes. And that was what the blog is about. It's not really always about, you know, Buddhist texts and things like that. Sometimes. But this
0: one in particular, Dave, uh, I, I really loved it because it brings up something that, you know, when we get together with Duncan on, on Family Hour, on his show, and vice versa, we, we normally really end up, I would say, each time talking about dealing with social action and dealing with, you know, the the reactivity that we have to what's, Going on in so many different aspects of our culture on this planet, and so on. There's so much triggers, and so that's why this article, uh, blog, Dave is. uh, It's called sane anger. Anger, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's called sane anger. I like saying Duncan. You know that. I think your particular form of expression, although it's very multifaceted, gives you the opportunity to get into this without pontification, because you know, satire and irony and comedy and, you know, observation of the culture as well as, you know, one's insides gives you that sort of very special place where you can you can go there. You sort of have to go there. And I've, I, I love this about your, not to be a psychophant here, but I love this about your, your stream of consciousness on your shows and everywhere else, yeah. that you manage to tackle these very, very, difficult, you know, naughty, fucking dark things that are going on on the planet, and yet you come out of it. You sort of come out of it right, because you know how to, you know how to perspectivize it. Comedy well,
2: let all me be a sycophant now. Can I be a sycophant for a second? You yeah. Guys, uh, that's the thing that um, hanging out with you guys and talking to you guys has done for me, because when we initially met, I wasn't balancing that anger... At all, I was just—I was very much in the mindset of sort of waging war against my, the perceived evils that exist in the world, and would fantasize about bloody revolutions or, or get so angry about what was going on, and really just think about how great it would be to how how violence or how fighting back with uh, aggression was a. Uh, worthwhile pursuit and then you guys started introducing me to this very 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 smart idea which is that if you uh, attack them with the same tactics that you're upset about then you instantaneously become them and that is such a curious power that they have which is that if there is a day and it's fun to think that there is some kind of archetypical darkness demiurge, as the Gnostics might say, it's fun to, to put it in that box just for the use of a thought experiment. If there is some kind of momentum in the direction of entropy, then one of its greatest tools is that it tricks you into thinking you can fight it by using mm-hmm. entropy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a good analogy just for the mind, absolutely how it yeah. works. Mm. Yeah, really. So this being... Uh, this thing that we do talk about quite a bit in in our mutual uh, podcast, it is the probably uh, for me it's it's really one of the most difficult uh, things that I have day to day. either reading the paper or the television or just being in, in public and talking to people and and so on and so forth, is the you know every piece of the pie that just triggers us. And, you know, we've done all this work for all these years and still I can tell that trigger is still triggering me. I mean, David and I will talk about, you know, the latest political or I just read the Rolling Stone about this (laughs) maniac. And I think it's Kansas that the Koch brothers or Koch brothers or whatever they are, are, um, you know, funding. and And it just immediately you get just twisted. And, you know, it's I think a lot of what mindpod really is about is bringing together different minds and hearts that can can really uh, translate to us methodology and philosophy about how to deal be in that moment you know and so that's why i think uh, Dave's uh, sane anger blog yeah. is just—it's uh, just wonderful. Absolutely yeah. wonderful.
3: To say that, that, that one of the tenets of this, one of the themes, the motifs of, of Mindful Network is that yes, these are teachers and they can they impart wisdom, no question about it. But we recognize we recognize them being as being human beings. You know, when Jack Cornfield mm-hmm. and Rhonda, especially over the years, certainly K.D. Uh, speak from the place that they're living in. And you get, that, you get that direct hit of, of error and flaw and the ups and downs of your own ego and persona and how flawed we can be. Because if these guys and women are, and Sharon is the same, I mean, we are talking about people who can communicate to pretty much anybody because they're not speaking Kant mm-hmm. or, you know, sort of philosophy. They're just saying, well, this happened to me, you know, and I went to see Bruce Springsteen, then I came back, and that's Sharon. I'm just quoting from her. You know, it's not all about Vajrayana principles, and that's I think that's what binds all this together a little bit.
0: Because well, actually, it is about Vajrayana principles (laughs) that are uh, worked into a uh, everyday vernacular that we can all relate with, and and that's one of the beauties of these people. Anyhow, uh, at this point, let's take a question.
1: All right, we got a lot in here, so I'm going to go through. Uh, The first one is from Susan, and I'll put this on the the page so everyone can see what it is, uh, she says, can you put us, this is to, to everyone, can you put a spiritual perspective or suggest a practice on how to have an open heart with difficult people that you must stay connected to in life, e.g. family? Thank you.
0: Yeah, that's just the same as what we were just talking I about. Know, it's it's that, yeah, it's perfect. It's that day-to-day thing of you get triggered, and that trigger is so powerful that you react. So how do we cut that, you know, at its core? And, you know, it just goes back to uh, mindfulness. And Joseph Goldstein, by the way, has an incredible book called Mindfulness, and I can only highly recommend it to everybody. I mean, it's just fantastic. And he gives the, the methodology by which you can stop your mind, you know, take a breath and be able to, at least catch the reactivity, so it doesn't completely warp you and take you over. You know that's very, very uh, important. So there is a few practical um, things that you can pick up from people, and then that's more of the stuff we want to provide here too. But in this particular case, the witness—you just it, the first place you go to is just witnessing, not from your ego, but from a, a spiritual heart in the center of your chest, and. Uh, you got to take a few breaths probably to get there, and then there'll just be a little bit of a different perspective from that vantage point, and that little different perspective is what we, what we want to grow, you know? and that's, uh, that's probably the most simplistic way to deal with it at this point, but it's, uh, I, I myself, that's what I would use in any situation.
2: I love that because it's not some extreme, because one thing that you can do if you're reading this stuff or getting into it is the next time you're around your, you know, monstrous whoever, <laughs> brother-in-law, father, mother, whatever, then you could do like one of these like passive aggressive things where you're like, <laughs> oh, I love you no matter what. <laughs> Coming out of you is just seething anger and you're being, a, you're, it, it's, it's fake. But what Raghu is talking about is really cool because it's just a subtle shift. It's just the addition of a little bit of intention into the moment of watching yourself. And there's this Tony Robbins quote. Forgive me for quoting Tony Robbins. He's got some good stuff. But he points out that if you're two boats, two canoes are paddling next to each other, and one of them just shifts their direction in the most minute way, over the course of five miles, they will be so far apart from each other, and mm. it's those little shifts that create the massive change, not the big. Mm. Mm. I figured it out, and I love you, mom. <laughs> I really love you.
0: You <laughs> love Tony Robbins, too. Next question.
3: Okay, okay next. Uh, I have one more comment. Can I? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm pretty good. Teachers, of course, have said that that's all good. We should do that. We should be, have, you know, equanimity around people who are hostile to whatever. But the boundaries are important to set, and the, and the level of discrimination, so that you don't get crazed and you don't you don't over. It's balance. It's all about how much time you spend with the person, what your vibe is with that person, and not letting that person. Um, close you um, do you, you know suffering and that means you you set certain boundaries
1: yeah i think that that's Good. a really valid point too because it can very. be you can feel very attached to someone as a family member if they're giving you trouble or a close close friend you definitely need to set boundaries for that i agree okay next question thank you susan for that one comes from michael um it says as i find myself progressing extremely rapidly on my spiritual journey how do I set myself free from illusion-binding anchors, such as a nowhere-going job and newly seen demonic acquaintances? What
0: was the last thing you said?
1: And newly
2: seen demonic acquaintances. I okay, think Duncan, that I might... this is for you. <laughs> oh, you know one thing that I learned from you, Raghu, which is one of the most valuable things I've learned in, in this stuff, in this whatever this is, is to be able to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. I used to think I knew but now I don't know. I used to have this very sin- sinister kind of like, get the vampires out of your life. Cut them out. <laughs> send them into the outer darkness. send them away because they because they're destroying you and and that was that's just ridiculous because that's a cruel thing because there are, maybe there are no vampires, they're just people who are hurting. yeah. Um, and so to go and banish them isn't going to do anything more than than hurt than make them hurt more?
0: You'd be a good
2: exorcist, really. That was pretty good.
0: <laughs> a side job. Well, you just said it. You just said the answer, though. Yeah. You just said the answer. All
1: right.
0: Maybe there are no demons. Maybe it's just someone's mind, and that is the absolute truth. So, so then you you've got to do some kind of consciousness practices, and I go back to mindfulness practices. Yeah. Obviously, that's a byword, you know, in the world right now, but. It is very, very useful to do that. And as you do that, you're going to be more surrounded by people who are like-minded with you. And that's going to help change everything. And then um, doing what we're doing and we're encouraging more people to get in this kind of, we call it, soul pod. People who are really one-pointedly interested in one thing, getting free. And so everybody makes a contribution, and we share that, and that's what Brahmdas has been about since uh, late sixties. So I think that uh, by the very fact that you get suffering, depression, whatever it is day to day life, lousy you know job, you should just listen to podcasts during your job, probably that would work um, you know the, that's just the reality there's it, it it's you just turn your perspective around and That's what we've been talking about. That's what we talk about with the witness. So at least you have some leverage over being caught up in this mental stuff. And thats it's just mental stuff. It's not any – one thought isn't any more important. Remember I said that to you? You like that, Duncan. Any thought. could be a thought about taking a shit. It would be the same thought as any of these other crazy thoughts you have. (laughs) All right. Let's answer that one next. That
1: one's done next. This is one I like a lot. Uh, it comes from Jim, and it is, is ritual important? Why or why not? My thoughts are that ritual is an ego-based distraction or trapping that to be a piece epistemological challenge of, well, thanks for including that word, Jim, uh, the mm-hmm. problem of other minds. So here's the question on the screen. Oh no, that's the wrong question. This is the one from Jim. Here we go. So this is a great question, um, and I know a lot of us have certain ritualistic things that we do. So I'm sure we all have perspectives on this.
0: What r- ritualistic thing are you referring to?
1: Well, I, for me personally, I chant. Uh, every morning now, which is something that I started doing. Um, you know, I don't know if that. I think that falls under a ritualistic thing. Um, it's a practice that is a regular thing that I do. I do it for a particular reason. Um, I think it's actually just the opposite than an ego trapping. Um, and I think you can notice this based on your approach to when you're like meditation is a great example. I think there. Are, I almost never want to meditate. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm actively Every day, looking forward to sitting down and being with my mind for a little bit, but I still do it. So to me, that's an example of the ego actually fighting against something that could be interpreted as a ritualistic thing. You know, maybe I'm going into the same place to to calm my mind. Um, So you know, I view chanting in the same way. That's again a ritualistic practice. I'm doing things to to that have been done for thousands of years, and I I view it as as almost a surrender to a trapping um, rather than actually reinforcing something that's making me more attached.
0: Yeah, so it's then again just about where we come from. What place do we come from when we do anything? And certainly doing spiritual practices. Again, that old witness is good because you can, you know, you'll have discrimination and you'll, you'll even know when you're doing it because you think you should do it. Or you think there'll be a result from it if you do a big puja ritual with, you know, offerings and so on and so forth. Uh, so I th- it, it goes back where, where are you coming from when you do anything and motivation. That's a Buddhist uh, eightfold path, right, motivation. So uh, I think it can go both ways. I've seen it in India go both ways with Indians. Uh, yeah. there, there was one uh, very close uh, person to us, our mentor in India when we were with Maharaji Neem Bama. And that person was uh, a very advanced yogi in, in the garb of a schoolmaster. He, 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 he was a, a headmaster of a, of a private school in the, in the uh, foothills of the Himalayas. So he spent a lot of time with us. And he used to do ritual, puja. And specifically, it would be either to the a female principal or the, or the male Shiva, or, or the goddess. And he would go on. It would start at like 9 o'clock, and about one o'clock in the morning, I said, Jesus, I can't hang in this. I'm so tired. He said, well, go lie down. And so I go lie down on the bed. I'd wake up at like six, seven in the morning. He's still doing it. He hasn't moved once. And the only reason he's doing it is he can't do anything else. Whatever that is in, inside of him, that is, it's sort of like haagen ice cream, vanilla. I love it. And I'll just keep eating that because I get complete pleasure. That's how he approached this. Yeah. I've never seen anybody, uh, you know, do anything like this. And uh, in the end, he, we, as I said, we spent a lot of time with him, and he was such a—he was like Mr. Natural. Dave, you remember that card? Uh,
3: the thing about him. R. Was crumb. Like, Our crumb's
0: Mr. Natural. He was Look like that up, folks. Wow,
3: ah, cool. Hey, Mr. Natural. Yeah, really. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: And Mr. David it. was very. Uh, incredibly normal too you know i mean he came to visit me here once and i got my puja ready and everything and i was very honored that he came to my house and um in new york and so i prepared everything talked about ritual certainly my pictures of hanuman and so forth were in the right place and then he came to the door with my friends Rod and i said oh i'm so happy you came here i was honored really and he said well i hear you don't mind if i smoke my cigarettes <laughs> and um That's why he came, (laughs) because I was a smoker, too, at the time. We sat and we smoked camel lights for a a few hours. Mm -hmm. And here's a guy who was the master of ritual, as Ragu said, a totally invested person. When he was doing it, my God, it was like a supernatural vibe, really. It was just so intense. And yet he was a schoolmaster. The thing that got to me about him was he was so intelligent and human and witty and lovely that he convinced me if he had to do certain rituals, it wouldn't hurt me. In other words, I could use a little bit of structure, even if I found it difficult to, you know, to genuflect or or to be, you know, to do a Hanuman puja. Really not doing it, and
2: I thought, I can do it. If he can do it,
3: I'm going to give it a shot, you know.
2: And what about all the other rituals? Don't forget that the world is filled with rituals Mm -hmm. that people act as though they aren't rituals, such as getting a coffee at Starbucks or whatever you do in the morning when you wake Mm -hmm. up or... The entire – most people's life is, are a series of many rituals woven together. And I think that there's, there's a trend in people to discard ritual, especially magical ritual, which is the same as religious ritual. It's all the same thing. And it's a very beautiful thing to do. You don't have to just do a, a Hanuman ritual. You could do a Crowleyan. ritual lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram and get stoned out of your mind and just go through it, not because you believe it's real or you believe you're going to get anything from it, but you want to feel what it's like to do these very ancient mudras in combination with these sound vibrations and just see what happens. Yeah. it could. It's, it, it's not to de-emphasize it or make it sound less than what it is, but it's fun. It's fun to get blasted to eat some powerful weed and go to a Gnostic church and watch them do the Gnostic mass. It's fun to get super high and, is, and, and, and <laughs> bow to the four directions and the Enochian angels and try to manifest something if you feel like doing that. It's fun. If you just keep it there, if there's some weird benefit that comes from it or it leads you to some epiphany, great. But it's just the same reason it's fun to take ecstasy and go dancing. It's fun. Yeah, and,
1: and I think there's an inquisitiveness that comes, that, that ha- helps with all this stuff too. If you approach it like you're interested in exploring and having fun with it, things can tend to percolate to the top that you might not have expected. I found that that yeah. approach. It's something that I actually saw uh, Jack Cornfield link Kornfield linked me to uh, Ajin Chah, the forest monitor, monastery mm. guy. And yeah. he had the best way of describing him. He said he had what he called don't know mind where he would say, he's like, you don't know what's going to happen. Don't know. What's going to happen tomorrow? Don't know. Like, you literally yeah. have no, You yeah. think you know what's going on, but you don't. So approaching these life in that way as much as possible tends to kind of open up some of the magical things that could potentially happen as well.
2: That's um, badass. Very good. I don't know. Don't know. know. Mine. It's so awesome.
1: It's so great.
2: You, <laughs> you don't know. Like, you might get possessed by a demon. Maybe. Don't know. Um, okay. So no. You know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. guys. <laughs> Well, you don't.
1: (laughs) You don't know.
0: Um, Okay. No, if you do the chalisa, okay, it says it in there. That's true. It it talks about there are no such things if your, you know, heart is in the right place.
1: Right. I don't know. Don't know. (laughs) No. Okay. So here's. That's what Bernie
0: Glassman does too. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's really. It's. It's an amazing practice to approach things like that. Okay. Here's another one. Uh, Duncan and all how do you reconcile forgiveness of others with forgiveness of yourself? Why do they feel different? And how do you approach the two types with one seems so much harder than another? So without, you know, this this is could be flipped for any individual. Some people find it much more difficult to forgive themselves um, and really easy to forgive other people. And some people just completely don't think about themselves at all and just continue on and find it very difficult to forgive people have wrong them. So I don't, Maxine isn't specifying which one she finds more difficult, but I think we can approach this from both ways. Mm.
0: Silence (laughs) in the orchestra. Well, you know, its I don't think you can forgive anyone if you don't know how to forgive yourself. That's number one, compassion. and, And the way to get there is through compassion in my mind to be uh, I had this experience I did a little blog about it actually uh but I'll mention it briefly uh, I just uh, I was in uh, in India in the Himalayas at my guru's ashram and I was doing a ritual circumnabulation of the statue that represents him which I don't I'm not into I'm western I don't like it okay I saw the real Man, and I'm not into a marble statue. So all of a sudden, from that thought, I went into hyperspace, and all kinds of negative thoughts were were coming into my mind. Like I'm not giving enough money to the people who were uh, the people who were serving us in the ashram. The you know what what is wrong with me? I went one thought to the next thought of just you know just uh, judging myself, and I suddenly looked over as to where. Uh, this area where Maharaji Nim Kuroli Baba, where I first met him all those years ago. And I just suddenly went into that space without which is no time and space and just an essency complete, full and empty place. And then I had that and I brought it into it came into me. And then in the midst of all this craziness that my mind was going through, and I, I've, I understood that it was just a little bit of that compassion, which is love that has no cause, and that was the name of the blog. Mm-hmm. There was love that had no cause. I needed to shine that back on me, and, uh, and that compassion put leveraged out the judgment, and, uh, in, and in the same way you're talking about f- forgive this. What, what's her name, his? Maxine. Maxine, in the same way that you're speaking of this, I think uh, compassion is the leverage point.
1: Yeah.
0: Anybody else?
1: Anybody else? Anybody? Okay. I have a Twitter question. Yeah, Twitter. Let's do a Twitter question. Let's do a Twitter question. I'm representing the females here. <laughs> Even though this is a man that asked the question, but he's obviously a feminist. Um, I've been wondering why I hear so few stories of enlightened women. Asked, "Alert Vatakar, Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. So, men, do you have
3: any?
0: Uh, w- women. Well, gee, let's just—I mean, immediately comes to mind—and she was highly influential for many, many Westerners, and her name is Ananda Mayima. And we were able to uh, fortunate enough to, to actually see her. Those of us that were with Neem Karoli Baba at that time, her ashram was down the street. He said, go see Ma. So we used to go over there. And she was like effulgent being. I mean, she just was so beautiful beyond anything. The That form of goddess, I mean, you just sat there and... and that presence just completely overtook you. And uh, she, uh, but <laughs> she was surrounded by these Brahmins, uh, these very strict, the strictest order of, uh, of, of, of caste, uh, the religious people. And they have many rules and regulations. And one of them was, if the saint is eating, no, no, unti- we were jute, it's called untouchable foreigners. We had to leave so they wouldn't feed us. And so that was like, I, we didn't understand that because all we did was get fed by Maharaji day after day. So we'd go back to to see him and he'd say, you saw Ma? And uh, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Did she feed you? <laughs> nope. And bang, there we were, you know, getting fed. But there are, you know, there are many David, give us, uh, you You know some others.
3: Well, I would immediately, you know, I didn't quite hear the question for some reason, but so I'll just throw this out. Our friend Soltra Malioni, who is a Buddhist right. um, woman who we knew back then uh, with everyone else, and I met her in Westchester, and she was, uh, you know, a, a marvelously incisive, you know, incredible person. But, but we, we had her on our podcast, a mind-rolling podcast, and... She is just like, there's no, I can't imagine anyone else saying what she says, right, Rago? I mean, she's just so, she talks about embracing your demon and befriending your demon and imagining your demon and coming to terms with this darkness via uh, a very beautiful divine mother approach, which is to embrace all, and that there's no demons, actually, that they call themselves demons, but if you face up to them and give them this sort of friendship that she talks about, uh, that they will eventually just fade away and leave you alone because that's not what they want right? they, they get. so she's she's fantastic um I just she just comes to mind you know as being one of the western women there are quite a few great teachers um that we're constantly talking about uh, in in America
0: yeah but she she's talking about enlightened beings so well, we only talk about realize, enlightened beings yeah. that sort are of male
3: that's i i mean I think that's kind of all right to talk about that but you know let's just sort of stay on the ground here and who can we meet who can we read who can we we, you know enlightened beings there have been many female enlightened beings and in the buddhist world of iconography you know uh, tara green tara white tara red tara so many so many amazing deities that came out of the buddhist consciousness just as many and
1: you know what else can i say
0: Okay, next question, because we're, we're running out
1: of time here. This yeah, time gonna... goes
0: by like nothing.
1: I know. This is going to probably be the last question, and then we'll wrap up. Um, so this is kind of a specific question, but I think we can make it more general. Um, and I'm gravitating toward it because it's music-related. This is from Spencer. Uh, is making music a spiritual practice? Uh, it seems like I keep getting distracted by superficial items such as musical instruments and the making of music instead of working on enlightenment. Is it possible to be a musician and enlightened? <laughs> so uh, yeah I mean that's all that's a, that's a great question. I think to, to make this a little more general for people even though we can go into the specific musical stuff, is anything you're passionate about or anything that's in your life, can be used to help you get to where you want to go that what's in front of you uh is your thing if you notice you're getting caught up in you know musical items and maybe just the act of you know consuming musical knowledge and making music but not really focus on anything else that's okay and notice that but you can completely merge these things at any given time um, and music is just like anything else at the end of the day i, I think it's pretty awesome and, and cooler than a lot of other things personally but it really is just like anything else
2: I think it's funny how the mind loves to tell you that whatever the thing is you're doing is not the thing that you're supposed to do if you want to, if you want to get enlightened. And I love how Ramdas talks of how I heard some great lecture of his where someone's like, well talking about? Well, I'm going to get enlightened and Ramdas is like, okay, see you later. Talk to you. Talk to you later. Go get enlightened. But it that whole idea of getting enlightened is funny. That whole idea of like, Oh, when I'm, Finally, I'm going to put down the cello and really hit the meditation. <laughs> really get my meti- my enlightenment biceps built because it's mm. not happening by making music. But maybe the idea is just forget about the idea of getting getting enlightened and make great uh, music yeah. for us to enjoy. Yes, J Ho. Exactly. I mean, look <laughs> at Krishna, That's all he does, you know. I mean.
0: Yeah, and he yes, and he is a great example on both levels that uh, Duncan was talking about. Uh, because he, I mean, it, it does it one night after another for long periods of time. I mean, the travel, the, the whole nine yards, and then the amount of attention of people wanting his attention and so on. And in the midst of all of that, he absolutely is doing his practice. Yeah, His yeah. practice is his life. And in that way, whoever many people can get get it. Way easier. And part of the reason is because music, when we talk about music, which is, for me, it was it's my whole life. I mean, I've yeah. been involved in music from the very beginning and work and joy, love. And music carries along the vibrations of the mantras that he, in particular, is singing. And they do their work without you having to think one thing about it, which is why the Hare Krishna, Hare Ram mantra. The the Maha Mantra, and that's why those Hare Krishnas around the world, that's what they keep drilling into us, and I finally got it. By the way, I was able to apologize uh, uh, to, uh, uh, or just uh, forgive myself about that little thing I said about the Hare Krishnas last time, okay? (laughs) You know who got me? Jack Carroll. Jack Carroll Carroll said, I heard what you said on Duncan's podcast, (laughs) but... Isn't it true this man, and we're talking about Prabhupada, who is yeah. the guru of the Hare Krishnas, isn't this man, he must have some connectivity to Krishna, or how could this be, have, have uh, mushroomed around the world? Look what he did. And I went, Jack, I want to thank you really very much for, for straightening me out, because you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So this 16-year-old guy he he done straighten me out. He gave me I think me Jack
2: Carroll's. Cra- I think there is a possibility that Jack Carroll is the next incarnation of Krishna I, on this planet. I agree. I agree. Jack, if
0: you're listening to this, or you will, uh, just ignore Duncan. But uh, anyhow, that's what you said. You know that is absolutely true, and and, uh, and really, music is such a special way to be able to transcend
1: yeah uh, I and think it's,
0: it's... my first experience of transcendence was John Coltrane I've told this on another uh, podcast uh, yeah kid, 60 I was Jack's age and I was in a cl- I snuck into a club he played my favorite things and I went out of my body that's how powerful music is
1: music is definitely I think one of the most accessible tools for people to kind of get you know everything going for them it, you can just completely let go of all your surroundings it draws you into the moment as well as anything else because it's just Mm. it's an experience that Mm. is omnipresent um okay so that's it for questions um we're gonna wrap this up because we're about two minutes away so i want to thank everyone for watching um this will actually be on youtube after we're done so if you tuned in late or want to share it with someone else it'll be on a page. We'll put that up on Twitter, Facebook, and on the website.
0: Wait a minute. We should also, can't this, we should put it up as a podcast, an audio, so people can just don't have to do that nothing to look at these faces.
1: Yeah, we'll do both. We rip the audio and have the video, so this will be in multiple places. We'll make it pretty accessible, and then I just do want to remind people that if you sign up uh, for the MindPod mailing list, which we will never spam you. We'll only send you things like links to events like this if you want. Um, You'll get uh, six tracks from each of the podcasters um, that were s- especially picked out for kind of an introduction to MindPod Network for yep. free. So uh, you know, sign up if you're so inclined. If not, no big deal. Uh, you know, we'll see you some of.
0: No, if we, if not, we're gonna send Duncan after you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I want to point out because <laughs> Crazy Eddie, <laughs> we were talking about this, this morning. I want to b- slash brag and recommend people uh, do something similar. I bought a Wii U. This morning, um, I finally broke down from Mario Kart and there's a new Super Smash Brothers. And the reason I'm saying this is I went through the Amazon portal on mindpodnetwork.com. And I just, I really want to thank everyone for using it because we've gotten a lot of support this past month. And, uh, you know, if you want it, you want an easy way to support us without having to do anything, go through the portal on the website. It's up at the top in the menu. Um, Bookmark it. Bookmark it. Do whatever you got to do. You know, just think about it when you're buying your regular stuff uh, on Amazon. Yes. <laughs>
0: thank, you, thank you, Thank you, everybody. This <laughs> is right. fun. We can. do yeah, we'll, we'll
1: more of these, and we'll let everyone know, of course.
0: See you yes. later. Bye, Professor. Hey. Bye. Hey.
2: Bye. Ciao, Bye. ciao. Bye.